This is episode 48 of Sunday Morning Manga for Sunday, July 30th, 2023. It is not safe for work. Let's get started. Welcome to Sunday Morning Manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I live stream every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube at Derek S. McGrath. A recording is available Sunday afternoons on YouTube. You can listen to an audio-only version wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, thanks to everyone who has been checking out the live stream, whether watching it live or picking up later on the recording and podcast versions. Last week's episode on Spy Family had a lot of views. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find a transcript and links from today's episode at DerekSMcGrath.wordpress.com. Contributions are appreciated at coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath. You can get early access to my audio commentaries for new episodes of Boongo Stray Dogs Season 5 at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. The newest audio commentary will be available for free Sunday night tonight on Patreon, YouTube, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts. Purchases from my Amazon wishlist are also appreciated, and you can email me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. Every Sunday, there is a live reaction to a newly released manga chapter, usually, but it is summer, a break is coming up in Japan, I'm gearing up for some projects in August, so let's instead do a belated reaction and see how the manga Mashal wrapped up. The series is written and illustrated by Hajime Komoto, translated into English by Nova Skipper, with lettering by Phil Christie. Earlier chapters were lettered by Eve Grandy. The series is licensed by Viz and available to read at viz.com. This series ran from January 2020 to July 2023, ending with chapter 162. There is also an anime adaptation that premiered in April 2023 on Crunchyroll, hashtag just a meeting. A second season is coming soon. I've broken down today's discussion into parts. Part 1, this is not a complete retrospective. Part 2, acknowledgement is not enough. Part 3, is comedy more effective at change? And finally, this shaggy dog story ends. Let's go through those four parts. Today's episode is not a complete retrospective. I had gone in today wanting to do an entire retrospective of the series Mashal, but I'm not going to be able to get into the entire series, its history, its origins, how every plotline develops and wraps up, the character progression, and so on, in just a hour-long live stream. Maybe I can talk at length more about the series if people would be interested. I had to catch up on the anime. I can go through earlier chapters and additional live streams. I have talked about Mashal previously. You can hear my thoughts from the Sunday Morning Manga episodes on August 22nd, 2022, February 5th, 2023, and April 2nd, 2023. So for today... Let's focus on only the final chapter, and as I'm going page by page, I'm still going to be going on lengthy diatribes, and I hope those diatribes can offer 
my thoughts about the series as a whole, and how this final chapter addresses some of the larger aspects of its story. Let's get into that reaction going page by page in the final chapter, chapter 162, titled Mash Burndead and the Generally Happy Ending. And no, I'm not going to go into much discussion today about how this series is one big Harry Potter pastiche and how well and how poorly it serves as a substitute for that jackass J.K. Rowling's Boy Wizard series. I will be talking about how this series does a better job than others at responding to the need for institutional reforms, but given the cheap gags in Mashal around Lance and Macaron, I don't think this is the most progressive series when it comes to gender. If you want something that is better at a magic school story and about inclusiveness, go watch The Owl House. No, seriously, go watch The Owl House. And put your money into companies that actually give a shit about LGBTQIA plus people, but there I go again. Let's just get on to the reactions today. Before we get into the story proper, let's look at the two-page color art spread in chapter 162. This spread brings back numerous characters who come together to make cream puffs with M.A.S.H. I'm not going to remember every character's name or personality, but I can see that shirtless police officer is now serving cream puffs to everyone. The older characters like M.A.S.H.'s dad and the school's headmaster and that corrupt police captain Coleman are all seated together. We have M.A.S.H. and his closest classmates up in the front. The best teacher, Malia Doe, is wielding her chainsaw. It is a fun color spread to wrap up the series. Onto the story itself. We begin where we left off in the previous chapter, with someone approaching the stage to accept Mash's award of the God's Divine Sight. This has been the award that the corrupt police captain Coleman wanted way back in chapter 1, saying, Mash would have to earn it to be accepted by the world because of his lack of magic. In this world, a lack of magic means you get killed for being weak and different. We will talk about how that message is convoluted given that even Coleman seems to have forgotten about this deal for almost 160 chapters, and Mash is so physically strong that it kind of defeats the point that he needs to prove himself worthy to exist in this world, but in any case, he earned the God's Divine Sight, and we haven't seen the face of the person walking up those steps to accept Mash's award, so we really should have seen this joke coming. Mash didn't bother to show up. He left it to the school faculty member, Nere Sean, to read a letter, and yes, I had to look it up on the Mash wiki, and then saying it aloud, realize, oh, Narration. It's a pun on narration. So, Sean begins the narration, reading the letter in which Mash says that all he ever wanted was to be acknowledged, and he thinks that's what every person deserves. In my opinion, acknowledgement is not enough. I'm going to go on a diatribe here to discuss how Mash's remark functions as the mission statement for this series and how the story succeeds and fails at reinforcing that message. It's not 
the most complex message to impart onto readers. It is universal enough to be accepted by anyone. This is the challenge we are in right now, at this point in history. We should be acknowledging the humanity of people who are marginalized. While many of us struggle to acknowledge any humanity in the people who are responsible for marginalizing others. MASH has been presented this entire time as a character who has been marginalized. That he is so quick to forgive and let live is played up for a saccharine tone, but also a bit of a laugh. He is simultaneously willing to beat the shit out of the people he is forgiving. He's acting like, if you ever saw the anime Bobo Bo, it's Mr. Bojiggler. They even got Vash the Stampede's voice to play the character, where the character proclaims love and peace just before decking his opponent in the face. Mashal, as a series, wants to simultaneously get this heartwarming message and mock the heck out of its own message by contradicting itself. It's not that deep, and I do think the comedy works a bit against the message when, as we're going to see in a moment, Acknowledgement isn't the same as accepting someone. We will have to discuss how some things can be accepted and some things can't, but even when what is being acknowledged is based on a lie, again, we are going to talk about how this chapter wraps up its approach to Lance and how I don't think that works, both because of a misunderstanding about his sister and just because how dull and offensive this gag has been. But to reiterate, I don't think the message of Mashal is that deep. And I don't think you can pull much of an applicable message from Mashal, because while ideally we should be able to coexist, we have seen in this reality we live in that expecting marginalized people to just turn the other cheek is putting responsibility onto the people who are harmed, rather than forcing those with power to change. Mash shouldn't have to prove himself worthy to be accepted. And this story is not going hard enough in its ending to reinforce that the problem isn't Mash, it's everyone else. While this manga shows reforms are being put into place, I'm not sure it goes that deep. We had to wait until the final chapter to get this big ending about the importance of reform and don't have much room to actually show the reforms happening. And I'm kind of tired of stories where reforms don't start happening until the end of the story. It's why I enjoyed some of the post-finale comics for Avatar The Last Airbender, where they showed reform isn't easy. I would have liked seeing that similar approach with My Hero Academia. It would have been great if we could get to reforms as the series was unfolding, rather than having to wait until what is probably going to be a time skip when that manga ends, and suddenly, here are all the reforms, and we don't see the story. We don't see the plot unfolding of how do we actually implement these reforms. Even something as good as the Full Metal Alchemist series, whether the 2003 anime or the original manga and Brotherhood adaptation, Full Metal Alchemist made the story about the fight to stop something bad from happening, whereas finding an ongoing story that is all about the constant work to try to reform unfair systems is less often available in popular media. 
at least in the action genre, because the action genre wants its action to be a physical fight. It doesn't want it to be the more bureaucratic office place labor to make something good happen to improve people's lives. I mean, if you wanted some content like that, I guess you would watch Abbott Elementary. But what do you think? Are there stories you would recommend in anime, in manga, in the action genre, or maybe elsewhere in other literature, other genres, maybe in documentaries, other films, television? Is there other media out there about the constant work needed to introduce reforms into society that kind of match the tone of Mashal in terms of a comedy or that match the larger genre of an action or fantasy or magic story. Let me know what you would recommend. Feel free to share those works in the comment section. Anyway, back to my earlier points. I should also point out here that trying to locate diversity in the series Mashal is complicated by pulling from a fantasy genre that makes obvious visual markers of diversity as harder to locate. Whether because of a white name, because so much of this is pulling from European-inspired fantasy, or because it's sticking to certain tropes out of Japanese fantasy. This isn't one piece where we can locate a more obvious signal of diversity, whether by the influences of how are we representing ethnicity, religion, race, or by having more varied races. With Mashal, it's primarily been human and humanoid characters. This isn't the same as other series where here's someone with a mewing quirk, here's an alien, here's a sea creature. With Mashal, it is a bit bothersome to work through a story about the goals of acknowledgement and not getting to see more obvious examples of diversity, including across gender and sexuality, but I'm kind of skipping over getting into a discussion about Macaron because I don't think I'm in the position to start an interpretation without rereading the manga, especially because it seems like it was initially set up to be a very bothersome example of that narrative trope of the unsettling gender reveal before the creator clarified Macaron uses they them pronouns, they don't see themselves as only one gender, whereas the other characters' reactions felt like it was making Macaron the object of ridicule rather than making Mash and other characters the ones we should be mocking given their narrow-mindedness, given how foolish they're acting. It felt like punching down humor, which we're going to get quite a bit of that as we keep going through this final chapter. Going back to my original point, it is bizarre that Mash had to prove himself, when he already showed himself to be an extraordinary person, given his feats of strength, beyond just what he's been able to accomplish because of his personality. I already kind of suggested that Mash's turn-the-other-cheek approach is as if the story is trying to model acceptable forms of responding to unfair systems. As if the story is saying, just show you are worthy of acknowledgement and that will solve institutionalized problems. 
it isn't up to a person to show they deserve acceptance, or as the final chapter keeps emphasizing, not even acceptance, just acknowledgement. Mass should not have to be decent and super freaking strong to have people not kill him just because he lacks magic and the rules of this world say if you don't have magic, you need to die off. Then again, I am taking this comedy comic pretty seriously, and I'm only on page 6 of this chapter. I have been debating lately whether these kind of stories have to speak to their moments in an uplifting or instructive way. Isn't it enough to be just comedic, just be entertaining? Or does the story have to speak to its moments? As I'm a person who is interpreting this text at its moment of production and right now at this moment of reception, I think it's fair for me to ask, okay, how does this work? Talk about the moment when it was made, what was happening at this time in history when it was being created. And what's happening around me right now as I'm reading it, that this work of literature may or may not serve as a response to contemporary conditions. That's completely fair as a reader to bring in the questions of what's happening at this moment of production, what's happening at the moment of reception, how does this work speak to those moments. That being said, not every work has to be a perfect take down, take that, at what is wrong with our world and how we can fix it. Sometimes a story isn't instructive. It doesn't teach you anything. It is just itself. And maybe it entertains you, or maybe it just exists as its own. The responsibility doesn't fall onto the story alone. That's not the only place where responsibility can be placed about how we fix our reality. It's not the responsibility of a work to appeal to every reader. It's not the responsibility of a work to be perfect, but none of that means it's not open to criticism. I've ranted for months now about the anime and the manga Bungo Stray Dogs, and it wants to show you in that story that war is bad. And it does a great job of that when it shows you Yosano, so now that the series has made its new main villain a war veteran who is shell-shocked, and now they've made him the embodiment of all that is wrong with war, not as a victim of that war like Yosano, but as someone who is willing to perpetuate it, I'm kind of getting mixed messages of a story that had Yosano and could have used her to emphasize why war is hell and needs to be reformed and instead decided to have someone who agrees war is hell and that the way to fix it is to become an even bigger fascist, it seems like a mixed message. It's not even an anti-veteran story, but it does come across as I'm not sure what point it's making beyond these are complex issues that are hard to tease out. At least Bungo Stray Dogs keeps my attention. I despise what ever Marvel is doing with the Secret Invasion series, an entire miniseries that was necessary to shift the scrolls from a refugee metaphor to an invasive force metaphor, and with an ending that doesn't make it clear that this is a tragedy, that the people in power are acting in this way. This was a refusal by Marvel to make Secret Invasion 
something equivalent to, say, the Battle of Algiers, where it's not agreeing necessarily that any action is correct, but it is emphasizing one action causes another to unfold, and you need to understand how this is happening and what warning it is providing. Secret Invasion sure as hell isn't offering a warning beyond a post-9-11 paranoia that I don't think is poorly timed for the year 2023, but feels like a narrative that is 20 years out of date and has not kept up. That is why I wonder whether by taking a more comedic approach, something like Mashal might be better at emphasizing the value of diversity and inclusion than something like My Hero Academia. I don't want to ignore what passing off everything as a joke does. It can work, but there are also enough bad faith actors out there who will say, well, I'm just a comedian. Why are you getting your news or politics or your philosophy from me? I'm not responsible for that. That's a weak argument. You're a comedian. You have a point of view. You're sharing that point of view. Someone hears your point of view. They get to make a response to what you just said. You don't get to say, well, I'm just a comedian. Why are you getting your point of view from me? They're not. They're pointing out how you're screwing up. Mashal ends the series with a simple message. Acknowledge other people's humanity. It's hard for me not to hear such a universal statement and not think about how similar that is to so many other shonen stories we got in. That's the Naruto approach. My Hero Academia has tried the same approach, and I'm not quite sure it works. My Hero Academia has been trying to have a sincere, earnest tone to the messages it conveys. I think some of it works, I think some of it hasn't. I think My Hero Academia has so many pitfalls that contradict the messages it wants to offer. It's made certain characters far too unsympathetic to want to see them get a redemption arc. It's why you're getting people who I think are getting a lot wrong about Toga and are way too adamant that she needs to die for what she's done and fail to see how her experiences are an indictment against the institutions that produce someone like her. On the other hand, there are people who I think are way too sympathetic to a wife-beater and an abusive parent-like endeavor, and there are those people who love the fact that he's getting a redemption arc, and then there are people like me who sit back and say, no, you can't redeem this character. You're not emphasizing how he is the institutions. He is the problem. Until you have a reform of the system, his apologies and his personal work to reach out to his family can be emotionally devastating, but it hasn't suddenly made him sympathetic. With something like Mashal, where it wants to set up acknowledgement is good, and then can undermine enough of that message's sincerity with a joke to ease the tension. Does that work better than My Hero Academia suddenly acting super serious when Toga asks whether her smile is cute, and when Endeavor is being super serious about his family? Do these moments need some levity to undermine their intensely serious moments so that this breaks the tension and is easier to accept 
Do we need a moment of Ochako letting out a bit of a laugh at Toga's question to break the tension about here's how Toga looks, here's how emotionally devastating her question is, and then accepting that this is a serious moment, but we can acknowledge this is a comic book, this is inherently silly, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. Is Mashal taking things too lightly and too comedically? Or is the comedy making it more effective at demonstrating the change we need? Does Mashal, by making this all a comedy, avoid the pitfalls of My Hero Academia? I have not been as immersed in Mashal as I have been with My Hero. I don't know that I can offer an evidence-based answer to all of this with regards to Mashal. At best, what I have to say today can point to what I've noticed and where I think the story succeeds at fulfilling its mission statement and where I think examples from the manga contradict the message it wants to communicate. But as one of my professors used to say about these kind of classroom diatribes that aren't actually pulling evidence from the story to support their claims, let's get back to the effing page already. After our narrator Sean finishes reading Mash's letter, there are some laughs and applause from the audience because they're just happy that Mash stuck to the same personality and stuck to his convictions this entire time. In that regard, we can see how series creator Hajime Komoto is sticking to that common narrative technique of beginning and ending the story with the exact same moment as shorthand for demonstrating consistency. That doesn't mean your story was the same throughout. It doesn't mean it was consistent throughout. But it is common for a writer to use the final chapter to repeat an earlier scene to show how things started and how things progressed and where we are now so that by comparing the first scene and the last scene, we see what has changed and what hasn't changed. And since everyone is laughing about how MASH stayed the same throughout, of course, that then leads to the next page, a callback to the very first chapter, where we see MASH's father, Regrow, waiting for his son to finally come home. Sidebar, I finally got to listen to some of the English dub. I don't know who thought Kirk Thornton should play Regrow, because having heard Thorin enough times, especially as Don Patch, that wasn't the voice I imagined. Kirk Thornton so consistently does a good job at playing a jerk that seeing Regrow and thinking Kirk Thornton wasn't the first thought I had. Gains to listen to the English dub, though? Good God, it fits. Thorin is really good in the role. Anyway, back to the manga. So, MASH returns and he breaks the door down again. I'm not sure this joke works. I know I'm taking seriously a story that is supposed to be silly, but MASH has asked the world to change to suit his needs. That has been his persona all this time. MASH can bend the world around him to what he wants it to be. He can bend materials, objects, even magic and reality to suit what he wants. We're lucky MASH is someone whose intentions and goals are good because 
having him still being the same old mash does seem disappointing that I don't see it in an obvious way that he has progressed as a character. Or rather, if he has progressed, it's not character development in the typical sense that we understand it, where a character changes from one goal to another or one personality to another. This is more MASH has just gotten better at communicating what he wants, which is a good thing, and better at communicating what people should do, which, again, is kind of complicated if you don't agree with the message of the story. It's not that he is the dynamic character. He's the static character who makes everyone else get character progression. He affects change in others. He has only changed in that he has gotten people to finally listen to him. And yet, he still knocks down his dad's door. That should be a funny joke. It should be funny that, oh, MASH hasn't changed. It should be as much of a tearjerker for the audience as it is for Regrow, who is just relieved that his son survived everything and has come home, and he's doing the same stuff he did back at the beginning of the manga. But this also feels like a joke at the reader's expense. You expect MASH to have changed, and he hasn't. At least in terms of how the joke is presented, I do appreciate the choices Komodo made visually. Komodo doesn't even bother to draw MASH breaking the door. You can tell from Regro's expression, you can tell from the sound effects, you can tell because you've read this manga long enough that, of course, MASH would do that. You don't need to show him knocking down the door. We know he did it. We have Regro in panel one, relaxing as he did in chapter one. In panel 2, we have his thoughts interrupted by the loud snap sound effect. In panel 3, we have Regro's loud sigh word balloon taking up almost the entire height of the panel. And then we have three panels in columns in the fourth row. Again, not even showing MASH pulling the door off, just walking in with the door already in his hands. It is a good joke. I'm just taking seriously what this joke can mean. The joke concludes with Regro curious whether MASH took down the door as a gag, like he used to do it. MASH admits, no, this wasn't a joke, it was just his typical mistake. We then get a time skip. I assume at least a week or so, seeing as Regro is now closer to MASH's friends, and MASH has been busy cooking since he got back. And then we find out it's been at least a month, because Lemon has been hiding in the ceiling for a month, waiting to introduce herself as Mash's fiance. Dot is jealous. And now, the joke that has never been funny to begin with, and is worse even now. We get a really poor taste gag, where Lance finally introduces his little sister Anna, and instead of everyone seeing the family resemblance, and recognizing her from the photo, and recognizing her name, they all just think Lance kidnapped this girl. I don't want to get into a ton of triggering content right now, but I'm not going to bring this up later, but if you're on Twitter, could you leave Twitter? Because you shouldn't be on there just given what the person running it has been doing with regards to the kind of stuff that I'm trying not to get into a ton of detail given triggering content right now, but 
just look up the crap that moron in charge of Twitter has been allowing and the kind of people he's been pulling back on and then think about what they accuse Lance of being. And yeah, you shouldn't be on Twitter. That place is a hellscape for that kind of nonsense that they're accusing Lance of. And just to get back to the freaking page, can we get rid of these asinine gags already? The ones around Lance? They're not funny. This incest stuff is gross. There's a reason people who watch Bungo Stray Dogs really don't bring up the Tanazaki siblings. We all know why we should be condemning what Mash and the others think Lance was up to, but all of this isn't working. It's cliche, and it's really tiresome to see everyone else get it wrong, and Lance also not figuring out how bad this looks. It's cringy and not in a, this is funny, this is cringy in a bad way. I know we should have the same problem with how cringy and bad and poor taste the gag is with Dodd offering the pastry to Anna only for Lance to lose his mind at Dodd for getting close to Anna, whether because now Lance is the one doing the misreading, misreading Dodd like how Dodd has been misreading Lance, or whether because Lance is getting into creepy, overprotected brother territory. But low bar on this part of the story? At least this is Lance letting his aggression out after the same old tired joke, so it's ironic, I guess? And given Dot's creeper behavior, Lance isn't wrong, so cathartic? And at least Lance gets to just show how unhinged he can be, which lets Kimono cut loose one last time in the artwork with the typical facial expression that they've been using throughout the series of people just baring their teeth clenched in anger. Yeah, let's get away from this gross shit and on to something else. More and more people from the school arrive, including teachers and Finn's brother Reigns, who thank Mash for what he did. And we wrap up this story, pointing out it has been one long shaggy dog story. A shaggy dog story is where this all could have been avoided because ultimately the story was never going to go anywhere. This story started because Coleman, the corrupt police captain, wanted to exploit MASH for fame and fortune. In all honesty, go back to chapter 1 and reread it. The deal Coleman made with MASH never made any sense. It's why Coleman being in the anime's first opening is so bizarre to me, given how little impact I remember him having after his initial appearances. Back then, Coleman instigated this story. He wanted to make MASH into the top student so that he could get the fame and money that came with MASH's title. How does that work? MASH is the one who gets the awards, so how does Coleman get the money and fame? Would he be MASH's manager? Would he act like the archetypical cop and just take what he wants? Would he function as MASH's new dad? I know this should be obvious, but how would MASH's victory propel Coleman into greatness? Coleman recommended him to the school and he'll just ride MASH's coattails? What happens when MASH says, I'm done with this deal and gives up? By the point MASH proves himself worthy, would he identify himself as not having magic and Coleman's blackmail scheme would just fall apart? 
I think Kimono painted themselves into a corner and this ending is acknowledging how silly the entire plot was. And that's probably the best way to end this plot point and this series. Mashal began because of a shaggy dog story that went nowhere and just needed an excuse to put Mash into the magic school. The final pages show what we have lost with the series ending. We get to see more about how the characters progress in their studies, what changes in their lives, and it's disappointing. Not bad, just an ending that leaves you wanting more. A cliche people offer that right now does not sit well with me. Like I said, if it was me, I would have enjoyed seeing more reforms in place. I would have enjoyed chapters going through, here's how reforms function, here's how we create them. I don't like a story that just ends with, now the real work begins. Then again, I did just watch Nimona and sidebar, fuck Netflix. So I am putting the bar pretty high up when it comes to a story actually showing the reforms that you're putting into place, not just describing them, not just narrating them. Final thoughts on Mashal overall as a series? I enjoyed it. It's a good read. It's a comedic manga with excellent panels for reaction images. I don't think it's the best action story, though. Again, you are getting those excellent images frozen of Mash just demolishing an opponent, which... Again, good reaction image. From what I've seen of the anime, though, I'm having the same problems I had last weekend with the Spy Family anime adaptation. Some moments just work better in a comics panel, where you can freeze a moment and enjoy all that is presented in that panel. Animation can't afford to pause too long on any one image. It robs us of the joy of appreciating that moment of impact or when the joke lands and just sits there awkwardly long enough for you to laugh the tension out. At best, you can do what the newest Ninja Turtles animated movie is doing where you can show progression and still animation and keeping an image frozen if you have the turtles in multiple fights and just keep changing the backgrounds and the characters they're fighting to emphasize this is the same fight they have just been doing it over and over again in different locations against different opponents. There are strategies to have animation have those moments of impact while keeping the scene moving. It's just hard to do unless you can isolate a moment of animation into an infinitely repeating GIF. Again, maybe I'm just enjoying comics more than I used to enjoy animation, but this is one of those cases where I think picking up the manga is better than watching the anime. I think this final chapter of Mashal Sixth the Landing in terms of keeping the characters consistent with how we have seen them before. It wraps up the main point. It gives us a happy comedic ending. I would recommend Mashal for a marathon read. I don't think you're going to get quite as much rereading each chapter, but I'd like to be proven wrong, there's enough about MASH's personality and conflicts that I think would speak to a lot of us in the audience. I hope the anime can get better at capturing what works so well about pausing the action and the gag to let those moments stretch out longer. 
but I'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for listening to this reaction to the end of Mashal. What did you think of the series? Did you stick with it throughout or did you drop it and pick it up intermittently along the way of its entire 162 chapter run? Let me know in the comments or email me derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com Contributions at coffee.com slash derekesmcgrath and patreon.com slash derekesmcgrath are appreciated. Please include a note with your contribution to let me know what you liked in the episode and what you would like to hear more of. Remember that contributions give you the opportunity to recommend works for me to cover each week. I'm still building a list of what I'd like to cover during October for Halloween month, so let me know with your contributions. And thanks to Coffee and Patreon contributors Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. Thank you all for your support. And if you like what you heard, or didn't like what you heard, please check out other people's awesome stuff. A blog roll of recommended people to check out is on my website, DerekSMcGrath.wordpress.com. Today, I am again promoting the work of Ian Javier at the website Monsters of New York, including their posts about the good and the bad of the 2003 Ninja Turtles animated series, and comic artist and illustrator Jade the Stone, that's stone with a zero instead of an O, at jadethestone.tumblr.com for creating a 1987 Ninja Turtles watch list. Maybe I'll have another post about that series, given that I've been getting through parts of the new DVD box set of the 2003 series, and yeah, this thing needed special features and additional content that is missing, so... You're not getting the entire 2003 series in terms of some missing shorts that were also produced, but sadly are not included in this box set. If they are hidden somewhere as an Easter egg, please let me know. I'd like to locate them. And I am again promoting the work of Golden Sun Deer, including artwork in the description of Nightfall from Spy Family. You can check out this artwork at twitter.com slash goldensundeer. Their commissioned information is also listed at twitter.com goldensundeer, so please pay them to make artwork for you. And one more thing before we wrap up today, or rather three more things. First, I am again asking you if you live in Ohio and can legally register to vote there, please register and vote no on Ohio issue 1 in the August 8, 2023 election. I should say if you can register in time ahead of that election. This election is important in order to protect constitutional amendments so that Ohio cannot block abortion access by limiting ballot initiatives. I also want to discuss that Dub actors want union contracts. Crunchyroll owes them a meeting. And with writers and actors on strike, please support them however you can with monetary contributions, your own strike if you are an influencer or fan, and what you can do as a reporter or how you can be present at a picket line. Please make sure you're vaccinated and mask up. These are crowded areas and we don't want to keep spreading COVID. I also want to discuss what is happening in Houston, Texas. There's a lot of anime produced in Houston, so this is tangentially related. I want you to think about what education is like in Houston. When the dumbass superintendent in Houston has decided to replace 
libraries with detention. I repeat, the dumbass superintendent of Houston Public Schools has moved to close libraries and replace them with locations that can be used as new places where students can be given detention. I can't speak to enough of this. I can't even get into enough about how this is going to be using detention to target marginalized students. The schools losing their librarians in Houston are in low-income neighborhoods, are in communities with primarily students who are not white, and I can expect the detention that's going to be used is going to be used to go after students who are neurodivergent, of students that are just referred to as disruptive and instead of trying to educate students, it's going to be used to punish them. I shouldn't have to talk about this. I shouldn't have to mention that we should not have to vote to stop this. We shouldn't have to donate to donors choose to help students and teachers. We shouldn't have to do anything because this shouldn't happen. This school should have a competent superintendent. And Texas should have a dramatic left-wing shift in its politics so that people in Texas vote in Democrats, not Republicans. You want this kind of dumbassery to stop where we're shutting down a library in order to give another room to put more students in detention? Go vote. Go run for office. Go work as a teacher or a librarian. And as a teacher or a librarian, if you get a dumbass direction like this one, refuse it. Maybe there should be some academic groups that should be telling teachers and librarians, hey, if you get a direction like this, ignore it. Keep doing what you should do as a teacher and a librarian. You should be teaching. You should be encouraging reading. You shouldn't be part of a system shutting down libraries. And I shouldn't be putting the onus on the teachers and the librarians. But who is going to oppose a bad order coming from above? If the person who hired a superintendent isn't going to stop this, then what is a teacher or a librarian to do but to ignore the order and keep that library open? That's all for this weekend. Let's talk about what's coming up in the upcoming weeks. Today was episode 48 of Sunday Morning Manga, which means episode 50 is coming soon. I'm keeping it a veiled secret what the topic will be, but as a hint, it will be another retrospective discussion. But before we get to episode 50, let's talk about what's coming up next week for episode 49. We're going to look at something other than a typical Sunday release. This time we're going to look at Shoha Shoten, written by Akinari Asakura, and illustrated by Death Note illustrator Takashi Obata. Tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern is my audio commentary for Bungo Stray Dogs Season 5, Episode 3. It'll be public and free on YouTube, Substack, Patreon, and wherever you get your podcasts. Until next Sunday, stay safe out there, people. Make sure to mask up, get vaccinated, register to vote, campaign against fascism, and learn and practice anti-bigotry. I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye. Sunday Morning Manga is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. All names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content is the intellectual property of the speaker, me, unless otherwise indicated. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, 
and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any other persons mentioned in this stream. Aside from the names of Patreon and Coffee contributors, other persons, businesses, organizations, or entities mentioned in this episode are not sponsors of this episode. My remarks about those persons, businesses, organizations, and entities are not paid endorsements. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of coffee contributors, Patreon contributors, or any other persons mentioned in this stream. Music today include the tracks titled Los Angeles by Music Production, Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio, News Time by Monument underscore Music. These songs are royalty free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the description.